What is good? It's me, your friendly neighborhood nerd, the Bobo, and I am back again with another episode this week of Bobo's Block. Um, thank you guys for joining me here again, and if this is your first time, thank you for kicking it on the block with us at this little party that we have each and every week. Also, shout out to everybody on Instagram Live who's joining me for this for this episode. Um, this is a special episode of Bobo's Block because this one was in the hands of you guys, the viewers or the listeners. Um, we went ahead and put out a poll this week or week prior um, asking, what did you want to have me talk about today? And it was a vote between Baby Yoda and also we had an option of the myth of blackwashing. So you guys will be pretty interested to see who won out it was a very tight race and i do want to thank everybody everybody for voting um shout out to my patreon subscribers who got an extra bonus episode i wasn't able to release the episode um just yet because of holidays constrictions and being running around hectic but i will try and release the episode that the patreon subscribers got as a bonus it was called Eating While Black in the Curious Case of Amber Lou. Um, that wasn't something that I really wanted to address or talk about. And I um, wrestled with it a bit from putting it on the actual news docket. But it was something I did get to discuss in full detail and full um, arduition, I would say. <laughs> um, if that's even like a word. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I got to discuss it in like intimate detail and you guys will be able to hear it soon i'll post that bonus episode to the feed but again if you were subscribed to my patreon you got that bonus episode last week and you guys will be able to do that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash bobo that's patreon.com forward slash b-o-b-b-o That'll give you exclusive perks, such as those bonus episodes. You also get episodes of an exclusive show called twiddling twiddling my thumbs and depending on what tier of rewards that you're subscribed to you'll be able to get um access to a lot of other perks such as like wrestling photos of me you'll be able to get um passages from my upcoming chat book money for rocks so many things go on on my patreon and you guys will be able to access all of that by just going over there giving it a click and supporting with from at least a dollar all the way up to 35 dollars okay Whew. So, we're going to go ahead and get into some updates firstly. I want to thank everybody who came out to all of our events both of the past week that I was telling you about, um, especially the Midnight Marauder show um, and as well as the Light Your Spark Lambert Nerve event. Um, those were really dope, and I'm still putting the pictures together from those, so you guys will see those sooner eventually, and like a little packaged up thing. Um, I did get a chance to go through go to a few events this week as well um create jacks had a book launch event they have a new um coffee table book called introducing jacksonville to jacksonville and that is amazing photos from um, my homie tony and, and a lot of people who were able to collaborate with create jacks on that book i want to say congrats guys and i can't wait to get one of those books in my home so i can at least have people see the city that i love so much and why i love it so much introducing jacksonville to jacksonville is such a unique take on the creative and artistic scene of jacksonville and honestly just like the major players are in Jacksonville um, are seen in just a different light from from poets to artists to politicians to everybody's in there like literally everyone is in there if you have ever seen Tony out and about in events you probably have a picture or two somewhere in introducing Jacksonville to Jacksonville 
Um, secondly, I want to give a shout out to GAM. GAM held their um, holiday nerd market event where they let local vendors and local artists um, give you guys holiday gift options for your family and friends. I had a blast out there. Um, Ryan and the GAM fam are always a wonder to work with. I can't wait to the next event, but this holiday nerd market was something that was so awesome i actually dedicated this year of holiday shopping to only only supporting and giving gifts from local vendors or small artists um because it's something that's so awesome like this little guy i picked up here is a little squeedy snorlax i got from tiger shreds tiger shreds is a local um seamstress here she makes little plushies and other little um trinkets as well you guys check her out on Instagram at Tiger Shreds with two D's, um, Tiger Shreds with two D's, and you guys will be able to see all of her products and merchandise in Shopper Store. Okay, um, it's always great to support local and small artists because they make the dopest things, and we honestly wouldn't be as much of a creative space if we didn't give access our, our agency to these smaller platforms to actually get their names out there and things like that. And I love supporting people who are doing things for everybody here. And you can always find a small or local artist in your city or town to support as well. So if you guys want to go in the comments below and tell me about some of your favorite local artists or some of your favorite Tumblr artists, some of your favorite Instagram artists that I can go ahead and get behind and support and give out some of their prints and some of their artwork or even some of their merchandise to my family and friends this holiday season. All right. Um, so um, next update that we have is I will be starting my new open mic series, The Wonderground, out at the Manhattan at 345 East Bay Street starting Wednesday, um, December 4th. And that will be during Art Walk. Art Walk After Dark, you guys can come on down to The Wonderground and enjoy the open mic session that we're going to be having down there. Excuse me. I... I'm going to be running it with DJ K-Cuts. That's been my homie since high school. And me and K-Cuts are going to have a blast. And I know you guys are not going to want to miss it. So come on down. The entry is $7. You can get in there. And like I said, we'll have food, hookah, drinks, everything. Um, you guys can come and enjoy a new and wonderful experience for the Jacksonville area. Um, it goes down in the Wonderground. That's all I can really say to you. All right? It goes down in the Wonderground. So I hope you guys are ready for that. <laughs> ready for that. And I hope to see you on Wednesday. All right. So let's go ahead and take it to our next segment of Around, Around the, the Net. Net. Who we have a lot to talk about on this week's Around the Net. There's been a lot of things that are going on. There's been a release of the latest movie, um, Queen and Slim. Uh, I actually got an opportunity to see Queen and Slim this weekend, opening weekend, and it is a very visually powerful movie and there's a lot of a lot to process and digest in there but there have been some controversy along the way after the release of the movie firstly there was a controversy stemming from um just critiques of the movie and it's always an issue when it comes out down to black and brown creative creatives and when we are able to talk about these things in open space honestly it's been such a a non-written or non-verbalized thing that you're supposed to just support but honestly our 
art needs to be critiqued and talked about just like any other form of art or any other movie or any other book or whatever. We don't have the luxury to just be normal. We always have to be excellent or nothing else. And we do have points where we feel like we need to discuss things or things need to be at least addressed. And there was a backlashing almost from 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 users and, and other people on Twitter, um, from critics from like Valerie Complex, Clark Keisha Kent, and a few other black um, noted critics and movie um, movie critiques that basically had us stop and really thinking about discussion on how we treat black media or black spaced or media for black spaces. It's difficult for us to sit there and kind of like, well, I wouldn't say tear it down or tear apart, but just dissect black art because it's something that's made specifically for us. But there are certain things that we know that we have to actually address and like speak on. And it's difficult or it's hard for people to hear that if there's something they really want to support and they really want to go and spend money on. And there's two opposing forces within it because they're the people who want to go hey all right who let's hear this out or and let's try and do better and they're the people who like are going to be complete extremists on it no matter if they're going to be like i'm never seeing that movie in my life or i'm not going to support that because this person said this or that and the third or there's other people saying hey i don't care what you say this that and the third and you're gonna you're gonna go see this movie you're gonna like it but honestly there has to be some middle ground for everybody and we all have to kind of take that time to honestly reflect and look at the messages that were presented within the movie, which were some huge messages. And there were some missteps, I will, I will admit, because of some of the messaging that was given into it, probably did not interpret the way that they expected it to be interpreted by the audience. I know there were some moments that where my heart just literally dropped out of my body and I, I honestly could not move forward past that moment and there's the new talk about about um how can i put this eloquently um they're saying that basically black trauma is now a new genre um someone put it best they said black trauma has always been a genre it's just the way that they depicted the stories either from slave times or whatever but like this is not a new coincidence that we are benefiting or profiting off of the tragic stories of black people and it's just a new light or a new way of doing it because this is something that kind of hit so close to home it is more so the social media um the social media trend of protesting and activism within the black space of people who are affected by police brutality and that's what queen and slim really kind of hits hard at and they Try to do it to where it doesn't focus on, yeah, we're black, but like honestly, that is a big part of the, the issue that is like we're black and we're being killed and shot down and, and berated and harassed and, and, and stepped on at any given point in time by the police, authority figures or whoever. So like it's just something that we all have to kind of be conscious of. I wouldn't say woke because... That's been overplayed. You've got to be conscious of how things are taken into what particular lights. Um, the second controversy that came along with Queen and Slim was that we found a lot of the um, casting calls and the character descriptions 
were really problematic AF. Um, I don't know if Lena wrote them herself or whoever may have wrote them, but they did not do the best job. Um, there are major, major, like, I, I get where they were going with it, but the wording of it, Jesus, my God. So the casting call for Queen was basically calling for a woman who was as dark-skinned as a slave, and, and, and like, <laughs> it's just, like, the wording of it was so poetically problem problematic i wish i could i, I want to go find it um but there's a new twitter twitter trend or hashtag um that's asking or challenging people to tweet like tweet like lena wave and it's just a hilarious thing to kind of read I, I i know it's like a very serious matter but as i said it's something funny to read and you guys should go check it out if you get a chance to get on twitter and just do hashtag um tweet like Lena Waithe or just type in tweet like Lena Waithe and it will go ahead and find it um as well there are two characters that we don't really get their names we honestly never get their names but in the description of those characters it was just called large black man and the child was just called chubby um <laughs> yeah that's that's not good doc it's, it's very fat phobic and something that we have to kind of like get away from I get that we don't want to have we don't have to give every single character a name or we don't have time to kind of go back to every single character you could literally just call that man leroy and call that boy jacob or something like that. you could have called him like levi and isaac like it's so simple just to throw out names like and it's so easy to just try and brush that off as oh she was just stuck just stuck on something that little boy is chubby but like it's effed up to really it's just, it's effed up to really like continue those stereotypical um stereotypical tropes and trends in 2019 going into 2020 it's, we have to be better than that and i hate to say because she is a non-conformative non um lesbian woman she probably won't get much backlash on this or whatever but there will be people who will remember said things like that and it's just it's sad to say that it comes from somebody that I do look up to as like an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um, I'm fat, if you guys haven't realized, so it, it really hurts to like, like kind of just boil those two characters down and just, oh, it's just a large black man and a chubby child. Like, no, like it's, they were a little bit more than that. Like the, the kid, the kid and the father were a very pivotal turning point for the perception of how we see the characters within the movie. And that was something that, like, I took notice of personally. So, yeah, we'll figure it out from there. But those are two things that are happening with that movie that you guys will probably hear about. I'll probably still jump into the discussion of as well. Um, moving forward, we're going to go into our little Twitter docket or our, our news docket from around, around the net. The net. And um, we got our first glimpse at things that could have been this weekend. So there was a list that recently came out for actors who almost play Batman. You guys always know that when they do casting calls, they, they have people that they have in mind. And they have people who have auditions. Like um, The most famous ones are like Nicolas Cage was almost Superman for Man of Steel. And Loki, Tom Hiddleston, was actually reading for the role of Thor. So, yeah, those could have really been, like, two huge changes. So, here's who, here are eight people who could have been Batman slash Bruce Wayne. So, we have Josh Brolin, which is already a first off, like, boom. Okay, that's a different pick. I would have figured him more of a Flashpoint Batman, like a, a, a Thomas Wayne, but that's cool. 
Um, William Defoe. Everyone really said should play the Joker. Um, William Defoe would have been a a very unique pick because his acting skills are just so dynamic and like you. He's a very, very big standout for anybody who comes into a role with him. So like he he. Him playing um, the Green Goblin in Spider-Man and Sam Raimi Spider-Man was such a a big thing because of his acting chops and he the way he actually took to that character was so was so unique as well. Um, the next one is Johnny Depp. I really couldn't have seen him, but honestly, Johnny can play any character, so he probably would have played. Um, he could have played the Dark Knight, but I probably would have wanted to see Johnny as like a updated version of Jim Carrey's Riddler. Um, Johnny would have been good as like either the Riddler or the Mad Hatter or he could have done um, any numerous villains from Batman's Rogues Gallery. The next one on on slate is Jake Gyllenhaal. Now Jake Gyllenhaal he used to do like a lot of like drama stuff but honestly looking at current Jake Gyllenhaal he would have been able to pull off an amazing um, portrayal of Batman. He has like the physique and the build now and he honestly has the, the chops to pull off a Bruce Wayne that we would believe. Um, I for certain would have loved to see Jake Gyllenhaal as probably Dick Grayson and pull off a gritty Nightwing, a Bloodhaven Nightwing. But yeah, I could see him as the Dark Crusader. Um, Army Hammer. Army Hammer is really a sleeper pick, but he reminds me of a um, a Val Kilmer-ish type Batman. He would have been a nice pick for Bruce Wayne, like because he can pull off that billionaire playboy look and that 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 kind of detective esque um, role and I would have loved to see him more in a like a Court of Owls type setting for Batman he would have been a great like intuitive Batman or even like you put him with a kid who was more like a Tim Drake type Robin and that would have been a great dynamic for him to play off of so and just as your greatest villain always goes out for your favorite, oh, your greatest villain always goes out for their uh, antithesis role, Heath Ledger was actually slated to be Batman instead of Christian Bale. But Heath Ledger got the part of, of the Joker, and Batman was gone to Christian Bale. Um, so the rest is history at that point. Because like, he probably read for the Batman Begins part, and I, they didn't want to make him Scarecrow. Because... Honestly, Cecilian Murphy, who also play, went out for Batman's role, was slotted as Scarecrow. So they gave him the role of the Joker, which for The Dark Knight Rises. Um, yeah, for The Dark Knight, they gave him the role of the Joker. And honestly, like both of those characters were well put together. Um, Scarecrow didn't really hit as I thought it would. I was very excited to see they did they went for scarecrow than anybody else but i and sicilian murphy's portrayal of scarecrow was a little bit different than i expected but i did still enjoy it so i'm glad they did pick him um for scarecrow instead of batman because he was a little, a little little lacking in the in the acting ability even though christian bale was lacking in the whole emotions category but he did a good job and lastly there was always going to be a legendary pick that I never would have seen coming and here it is Bill Murray was slated to play Batman I don't know when 
I don't know where. I don't know in the franchise he would have played it, but I would have thought probably around Michael Keaton's Batman time because Michael Keaton was also the same type of type of ilk or same cloth cut from Bill Murray. Um, they both were very good dynamic actors who could play kind of anything, and they they both played com- comedic and serious roles. But I think Keaton probably beat out Bill Murray for that. And I would have loved to see a Bill Murray type Batman. I think he would have brought us major Adam West vibes, major like seventies Batman vibes. Like I would have loved to see Bill Murray as a pompous, arrogant, and pretentious Bruce Wayne throwing his money around because he's good at that. He's really good at that. <laughs> All right, moving forward. Um, we have some news from comicbook.com as for a couple of stories. So we've gotten a teaser trailer for for the last or the the final Daniel Craig um james bond movie i think it's like no time to die is the name of it and i'm excited for the movie not for daniel craig because if you know me you know how i feel about daniel craig and james bond um i am an avid james bond fan but i do not a david craig fan but i'm excited because we are getting a different version of james bond um on here because we're getting james bond and a 007 um if you guys remember um, Captain Marvel, the mother who played Monica Rambeau's mom, um, she will actually be starring as 007 from the Academy. Uh, in this timeline, 007 and James Bond have usually always been a, a duality, like whoever is 007 gets the moniker of James Bond. But James retired, and 007 is actually a... a um, how can I put it's a it's a level of excellence that you reach within the the academy for MI like for Interpol or whatever, um, whatever they work for. I think it's MI six, yeah. And whoever they work for, that's like a level of like top tier shit. And I'm really happy that they are taking a route of giving that role to a lead woman. And she's not gonna be a Bond girl. Like even Daniel Craig, he's like he his character, his James Bond kind of gets infatuated with her. And she's like, if you don't get out of my face and let me shoot these people in the head, like come on. So um, Dewanda Wise, that is her name. Dewanda Wise will be portraying the role of 007. I was trying to remember it without kind of going into like my actual post and stuff like that because it, it it's a little bit buried back in my bookmarks. But yes, Dewanda Wise will be playing 007 in. No time to die, and I can't wait to see her first opening scene. They say it is, oh, so I, I really am excited for that film. Just for Dewanda Wise alone. Um, as well, moving with along with ComicBook.com and their movie news, Martin Scorsese, he implores people who are watching his new movie, The Irishman, on Netflix, to not watch it on mobile phones. Don't watch it on any mobile devices. Please, please, please don't look at it on a phone. This is an actual quote. And I don't think that Scorsese knows how Netflix works. Like, it's literally meant for mobile devices. Like, you're not... (laughs) It's, it's the weird, weird nomenclature of, hey, 
don't watch this mobile platform on a mobile device because I don't want you to ruin the experience of my movie. I think Scorsese needs to kind of reevaluate on how things are kind of done in 2019 or this just this modern era, um, especially when it comes to streaming. There are 4K televo, there are 4K um, OLED screens that will look way better than a television or a movie projector or whatever that you can actually actually give and watch it on your phone in your hand in any place at any time if you have the right internet connection. So to tell people to not watch a mobile platform streaming service on their mobile devices, it's kind of a slap in the face to you signing this Netflix deal all together. So to you, Mr. Scorsese, I humbly appreciate your advice, but I'm totally going to probably watch The Irishman on my phone because shits and giggles. (laughs) All right, moving right along, moving into the MCU the Russo brothers have expressed their interest in being involved in the development of the Moon Knight series that was going to be slotted for Disney+. And to that we say no. Leave him alone. Do not touch any more of our Marvel product, um, properties. Do not touch any more of our heroes, especially Moon Knight. Looking back on how things went with the first half of the, well, the first part of the MCU and the first setup, I do applaud everything that they were able to pull off. But from this point forward, there needs to be new storytellers behind the pen. There needs to be new people who are putting vision to paper. And I love the Russo brothers for what they have accomplished. But Moon Knight's going to take something a lot different than what we've been given so far. And Moon Knight doesn't need to be the little, oh, off-witty quips and comical thing. Moon Knight already does that on his own enough. Um, I think they will oversaturate his 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 satire and his sarcasm if they were put into it. But I want to see someone new behind the pen of, new, of Moon Knight and writing these stories and putting their, their stamp on this character because we have an op- opportunity to actually do something very unique because Moon Knight, depending on which Moon Knight they pick, um, can bring in a lot more characters than you ex- than you realize. So hopefully we, we figure out where we're going with this, but we're going to go ahead and... um. Try and try and pray for the non-involvement of the Russo brothers. Um, moving right along to our next point and to the to the docket, um, we have a problem, Houston. Nightwing has no ass, and if you know any Nightwing fan or any Dick Grayson fan, that is a very pivotal point to the Nightwing character. Is his ass? Um, are the the lack of definition at this point and? Fans have made it vocal. Um, we need to get my boy in the in the gym doing some squats, have him hit some butt masters, thigh masters, or whatever. Because um, if you're gonna put on that Nightwing costume, them buns got to be made out of steel, bruh. And we will notice. We will most definitely notice. <laughs> so I want to hear what you guys think about Nightwing not having no butt. Um, tell me below in the comments, or tell me on Twitter or Instagram. We, I'll be happy to. Happy to have that discussion because honestly, it's something that I'm I'm concerned about because if he if he doesn't live up to the Nightwing legacy of amazing ass, hey man, can we can we really call this a Nightwing adaptation? All right, so 
George Clooney is in the next docket. We've been talking a lot of Batman today, if you guys haven't realized. Um, George Clooney actually told us something very interesting. We discovered this weekend that um, he's been using the checks that he's getting from the Nespresso to keep a spy satellite that keeps a tab on Omar al-Bashar. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's what it is. Clooney's humorous take on the situation shouldn't be mistaken as gleebness on the actor's part. The Satellite Sentinel Project, Clooney's spy program, tracks the movement of Sudan's brutal army and the attempts of war- to, and attempts to warn civilians in advance of attacks. The 52-year-old was also arrested last March in a protest in Sudanese embassy in Washington, D.C. At the time, Clooney told the Huffington Post that the goal is the same goal that's been along, all along. And will continue to be and not accomplish, yeah, and not be accomplished today or any time in the near future. But it's a job we have to do to continually, yeah, job we have to continually do, which is to raise attention. So, um, <laughs> George Clooney is really living out his Batman life. Uh, I I made a joke that they used to call George Clooney the worst Batman, but look who's protecting us now. Like, look who's really doing his doing his white privilege superpower some justice like some justice um <laughs> they're they're a plethora of, of batman and bruce wayne jokes to be had with this but wow wow um george clooney is really about that life and he is not going to be um he's not going to be silenced i see <laughs> Alright, so moving on to the next portion of this, we have some lighter news from Twitter. Um, with this being the start of December, we're actually getting into the the usually what usually is the year-end review type stuff. But um, this being the end of a decade, it's, got, it's actually been a decade in review. And a lot of people have been asking, what are the best Twitter moments of the decade are one of the best moments on the internet of the decade. And there have been some major contenders. If you guys go to the hashtag Twitter moment of the decade, you guys will be able to see all of the, <laughs> all of the actual like, um, tweets and things that made us laugh, laugh over the 10 years that this has been. And honestly, it's been so many things. And like, I really have not really noticed that it's been so many Things that have happened on the internet and that have kind of come and gone, had their time and, and passed us by. But it's a nice laugh to have and it's a nice discussion to kind of talk about with your friends. Like what is your favorite meme or what is your favorite video that's kind of popped up and things like that. And as well, if you guys know me, we've started having a, a wrestling discussion about this type of thing. <sighs> wrestling is a big part of my life and me being a wrestler and also just being me a wrestler fan but they started to ask who has been the male and the women's equivalent of wrestler of the decade so you basically have to pick two people one male one female like that's hard because there's so many contenders for wrestler of the decade that i cannot pick on the women's side, you have people such as Gail Kim, Asuka, Charlotte Flair. You have 
um, uh, Awesome Kong. You have so many women who have done so many influential things like Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, um, Ronda Rousey could be in, put in that conversation, um, Natalia, Sasha Banks, uh, like literally any of the four horsewomen. So Sasha, Becky, Sasha, Becky, Natalia, and Bailey. And I say you have any of the women who are from stardom out in Japan, um, Ishirai, Kairi Sane, all of their, like I said, peers and things like that. And then you have on the male side, like the men, like it's so difficult to actually narrow it down to one person because you have people like AJ Styles, Ricochet, Will, Will Ospreay, you have Zack Sabre Jr., you have Kenny Omega, you have Cody Rhodes, you have literally like so many men who have put things in such a a amazing upper upper echelon level or tier that you you have to kind of kind of like start narrowing it down by who has not made you had a heart attack or who's had who's made you have a heart attack but you still survived like it's so hard and i would love to hear you guys if you are wrestling fans as well as um nerds out there tell me who are some of your favorite wrestlers from this past decade who are some of your favorite wrestlers period honestly um we know that this modern era of wrestling has got has certainly ramped up um since the since the latter part of this year and with introductions of things like AEW, and like i said we have a resurgence of the nwa we have like um we have the continue continuous surge of of WWE with the new arrival or basically not new arrival but like the the new level that NXT has grown to. It's so many so many things that we can talk about and it's such a wonderful year of wrestling that I'm so happy about it. And I don't really know what to do. And also another person who doesn't know what to do is Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers has put out, I told you guys a while ago, that they didn't know what they were doing with the well, the DCEU. Um, they're still talking about it at this point, and they're really confused about what they're going to be doing with Superman. So um, this also will give us to kind of leeway into our, our, our lead subject, because I do want to give you guys the results of the, of the actual poll um, from... This week, I asked you guys again to choose between Baby Yoda and the myth of blackwashing. And from a vote of 7 to 11, um, winning out, the myth of black blackwashing winning out. And this is where it kind of stems from. Whew, had to readjust myself. So, <sighs> Warner Brothers recently talked to Variety Magazine. And they were saying that they don't know what to do with Superman because they feel like Superman is no longer relevant in this day and age and that he he doesn't click or or kind of um doesn't resonate with modern viewers or modern listener well modern um readers or viewers. And that can be further from the truth. And what they're doing now is kind of isolating themselves because Warner Brothers doesn't see what we as as content viewers or content um content consumers see in superman superman is the ultimate immigrant story and a immigrant alien come to this land trying to do their best to make the world a better place and literally getting stomped down or stopped by a big corporate person such as lex luthor and we honestly have to look at it in this light but warner brothers doesn't see it like that warner brothers sees superman as like just this white guy 
And when you see him as just a white guy overlooking everybody and saving the day with his miraculous powers, yeah, I see how he's not relevant for this day and age. But he has to, um, he has to honestly be seen in the in the light of immigrants and being seen in the light of the people who actually create him, such as like the Jewish, as he was originally written as. Well, we didn't have it confirmed that he's Jew. Like his mother was probably Jew, but it's it's probably Jewish, but, like, it, it's all up in, like, folklore and things like that. But that that's beside the point. Again, we're, we're trying to keep him relevant, but we're taking out the elements that would make him more relatable to people. It's not his strength or it's not his powers or abilities that we love about Superman. It's his perseverance and his ability to see the good in people. It's his ability to be able to walk into a situation and honestly try his best to make things better. And when he goes through adversities and goes through vulnerable points in his life, that's when we relate to Superman the most because we don't try to have Superman as this ultimate God that can't be touched. He, he honestly is somebody who has been beaten down so many times that is not like, that is not even relevant to where we see him as like the big cheese anymore. Like, but he's been the top superhero because what he stands for. And that's not truth, justice in the American way. It's about equality and, and, and love. And it's about, about fairness and, and of course, truth. But like, he's about, he's about the things that we care about. And that's what makes him relevant in any day and age. So for them trying to be, relevant they say they actually have been in discussions with michael b jordan and jj abrams to help make man help make the next movie more relevant and this is where the controversy started about blackwashing when everyone originally was starting to talk about rebooting superman we first were like hey like no we don't want to reboot let henry cavell still kind of take on his role because he's still interested in being Superman. He's said on numerous occasions that I'm not done with the man and man of steel. I'm not done with that Cape. He wants to play Superman. He wants to be in Superman's feet. Well, boots. And, but like they, but when they were talking about it, we did, people did mention that we may need to look at alternate versions of Superman or basically turn Superman into something that's non, that is non-normative um, to what we normally see. There are many versions of Superman throughout the multiverse, but there's very one popular version of Superman named Valsad. He's, um, I want to say Superman of Earth 3, and with Superman of Earth 3, he basically is black, just to put it there out there. He's black. He's a black man. There's also a version of Superman where he's Obama, <laughs> um, but we're, we're probably looking at Valsad. And people immediately saying like, oh, we're going to make Superman black. We're just going to make Superman black. Like, they never said that. They could have honestly just gone to Michael B. Jordan for executive producing and stuff like that. He loves superhero stuff. He loves um, nerdy comic book shit. Like, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan literally eats, sleeps, and breathes nerddom. He's a blur to his, to his bone. And I, I honestly, for one... Would not mind a black Superman, but I wouldn't want it to be Michael B. Jordan. I would probably would scour for somebody else. But I would like Michael B. Jordan to take on the role of Steel. If we really want to go forward with this continuity of that we're reestablishing within the DC Universe. And actually want to go for, as they were talking about earlier, rated R movies. 
Go with the rise of Superman. Goes with the rise of the Superman. You get three Superman. You get Cyborg Superman. You get Steel, and you get Superboy. The the um genetically altered, not clone, but he's a genetically altered fan of Superman who takes his DNA and all. It's a whole bunch of who who how with that Superboy. But go with the rise of Superman. Make Michael B. Jordan Steel. Make him John Henry Irons. Get a cyborg Superman. Get a get get a casting for Superboy, and let that story play out. There's there's a good animated adaptation of that story already, and you can literally play that note for note. Um, and then still bring Henry Cavill at the end as still Kal El or still Clark Kent or whatever, because Superman honestly obviously returns. But we have to tell a story of what happens between the time when Superman dies. And when we did not have Superman. And when he comes back. We have to tell that story. So hopefully we see something out of that. But we have to go into this myth of what what we call blackwashing. People get so up in arms when they try to make a character a different ethnicity. And it's such a, it's such a not even a double-edged sword, but it's such a... Uh, a one-sided argument because it's not it happens if it's not done to every single character that is not of um that is not of Caucasian origin because they feel like it would sell better it feel like it would sell more they will basically be able to make anybody a white person because that's the norm that's the that's the default that's what we expect for everybody to be white um we talked about this or touched this on our last episode of Rewriting Legacy about how in Watchmen they flipped it on its ear and turned the first vigilante from like this white man underneath a hood to what he actually was, a black man who was fighting crime and who had to hide his identity and he painted his eyes what all the only parts you could really see of him white and when they did that or whatever it, it flipped the narrative so much that it was so jaunting to really discover his actual self or his actual identity so we've we 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 move forward from there to talk about this this out outcry this backlash that they always get when we do the um when we do the unthinkable and say hey what if this character was not white or what if this character was black or what if this character was indian or what if this character was um, Hispanic or Native American, whatever, whatever, whatever. But we majorly do this, hear this a lot when when they say black people, when we suggest a character be black. Um, Donald Glover has a wonderful set in his weirdo um, comedy special about this because he went through this controversy personally. Donald Glover was originally like suggested, not even slated, not even talked to anybody in the studio. Someone online just said, "Hey." Maybe if we do a next Spider-Man, maybe he could be black. And then someone else was like, oh, Donald Glover could do it. He's nerdy. And the entire internet lost their shit. <laughs> and it was either, you were either Donald for Spider-Man or fuck Donald Glover. Like, it was it. No middle ground or nothing. And it's so hard to see stuff like that still happens. We had backlash when we reintroduced Nick Fury. We had backlash when like people were talking about how they um, turned 
a lot of our characters in DC and Marvel, you know, a lot of our characters DC and Marvel black in the comics books, like how Captain America was taking over the mantle, uh, or Sam Wilson took over the Ca- Captain America mantle, and they were like, oh, you're just going to make Captain America black? Oh, this is so stupid. And, like, that honestly was the pivotal story point of his comic, like, that he had so much online backlash for him just being a black Captain America that he grew to resent the actual moniker and grew to resent to hate the shield and when he had a chance to walk the fuck away he did he walked away and never looked back um he's still falcon but like he doesn't feel like he owes anybody anything to be captain america even though steve chose him to be captain america it's so hard to to look at things like that um there's such there's such a myth behind we we have this certain agenda of we we just want to erase everything that's white and and uh, we all have this this innate hatred for white people and why can't these superheroes be white anymore because the world doesn't look like that the world isn't just white anymore and when it was majorly um white and predominantly written by white people of course that was going to be the the stereotypical default the norm the normative of the story was like oh everybody's white everybody looks like me i'm comfortable but that didn't make it comfortable for the rest of us who were inhabiting this world um and now that you have the rise of more diverse and more um more ethnically ethnically open writers producers creatives directives you're going to see that change a lot more nowadays you're going to see people that are going to look like everybody um that's the one thing i loved about the spider-man series of the current spider-man series because they did not shy away from peter living in a very ethnically diverse neighborhood same thing with miles in the into the spider-verse um series they did not shy away from him living in an ethnically diverse neighborhood peter in the in the far from home movie he speaks spanish fluently because he has to that's what you need to know to order food at the bodega like he (laughs) he he has friends of every ethnicity within his school because that's what children look like nowadays um flash thompson isn't some big jock anymore some big quarterback hulking jock flash thompson is a is a I want to say possibly Pakistani, but in like Middle Eastern, Eastern Asian child who just has a rich father. That's what the that's what the bullies look like nowadays. They're just kids, and that's what we should really have them portray themselves as. And no matter what their ethnicity, their 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 cultural background, or their religion, they're just children. And that's the same thing can be said with any of these superheroes. No matter what their ethnicity, ethnicity, blah, 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 my tongue, so, their race, their, their creed, their, their religious backgrounds, they're still heroes. No matter what they look like, they pick up that mask, they pick, pick up that mantle, they pick up that name every single time there is danger afoot, and they go forth. I don't care who's saving me, but I would love to say, I would love to see someone that looks like me being able to be represented on that big screen i want to be able to know that hey we matter we are actually out here doing doing the same thing as anybody else um i was watching watchmen last night and i took guts really need to watch watchmen it's so good so good we're on like Two episodes left, and like a huge reveal just like kind of popped off last night. I won't give you any spoilers, but within this flashback that they were having between 
Angela's character and her grandmother, and she they find out the origins of how she picked the name Sister Night. It's actually a black exploitation movie that she fell in love with, and that she wanted to watch every day. But her parents would not let her watch it because her parents said that they shouldn't trust people with masks. And we finally get the first glimpse of what happened between her father and her her grandmother and grandfather, which she never had met or whatever. And, um, yeah, we, we got the origins of how she fell in love with this tonight, but when she was asked, why do you love this movie so much? What made you pick this? She said, because she looks like me. And it was something that was just so simple, but so mind-blowing for a little girl in the middle of Saigon, Vietnam, to find a movie of a black woman who's a crime fighter and a police officer who kicks butt and... She goes, she looks like me. I want to be like her when I grow up. And then her interactions with the police and the police saying, hey, come find me when you're old enough and we'll talk about you joining the force. And like, she just, it's just all lays in place. And it's so, again, the layers of Watchmen is so wonderful. So wonderful. But we get to see, we get to see such a evolution of comics nowadays that I would have never fathomed that there were going to be so many people of brown and black skin running around in masks and, and basically being the dream. Um, I've always wanted to be in, in my, well, when I was little, I always wanted to be Robin um, because my brother was always Batman. I was always a sidekick, but Robin was so cool to me. But I would never thought of seeing a black kid as Robin. I've always loved Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is wonderful. But I never thought of seeing a black kid as Robin until I met Anthony Piper. You guys may remember back um, back in the old school block, we did an interview with Anthony Piper. And we did his inspiration of, of the Trill League. And it all stemmed from him was saying, like, what if Robin was black? What if, what if Robin, no, not even what if Robin was black. What if Robin was chosen today? If a modern child from Batman City was chosen today to be his sidekick, what would they look like? It would be a little inner city, inner city black kid who's trying to do right, but just needs the right guidance. And that's where the whole Trill Robin stemmed from. And it all comes back to us being able to see a true depiction of modern life and society in this day and age and I honestly really can't stress this enough that representation matters. If that's been anything that I've always said, representation matters to people and being able to see us is not trying to wash away the socio-normative of, of white people are over everything and white people are in everything. No, it's just integrating and bringing forth the actual reality of life into this world. Like, we we have to see, see ourselves in this world because, honestly, if we don't see ourselves in there, who else is going to write it for us? Who else is going to put our, our actual words or our stories to pen and paper? Nobody. So we have to do it for ourselves. So hopefully we can move past this bogus ass myth that black people are just trying to blackwash their way into history or blackwash our way into things like that when it's quite possibly the opposite 
there there have been many places in history where we've gone back and realized like oh these people were of dark darker skin tone these people were of of, of African descent these people were of Eastern Asian descent these people were from oh from India and they migrated this way or these people were from native descent and moved down south like it's it's crazy how we feel like everything has to be a Eurocentric or, ca- or caucus centric thought process when honestly everybody is so 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 different that we have to acknowledge it sooner or later so hopefully once we get past all the craziness we get past all this blackwashing um yeah that's all i really have to say on the subject for those people who are going to be disappointed don't be um, I am still going to do a Baby Yoda episode. I will be doing it as a bonus episode this week, okay? So you guys look out for that bonus episode of Baby Yoda. Um, and if you want to hear that bonus episode first, hit up my Patreon. The Patreon is where you'll be able to get access to all bonus episodes of Bobbles Block before they hit live on my RSS feed. Um, you guys can find me at patreon.com forward slash Bobbo. That's patreon.com forward slash B-O-B-B-O. As you already know, if you're listening to this, this is coming out on Podomatic. If you're not listening on Podomatic, you can find us on any other streaming platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and working on Google Play. And anywhere that you can stream podcasts, Bobbo's Block will be there. So I do want to thank you guys for taking the time out and sitting here with me. If you want to find me on any social, you can hit me up at BobboFNN. That's BobboFNN. N-N-B-O-B-B-O-F-N-N on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, okay? I have been your friendly neighbor nerd, the Bobo, and I do want to say to all of my new listeners, I hope you guys join us back here next week. I have a dope episode. I, I know I don't want to talk about next week, so I want to kind of put that feeler out there to see how you guys will probably comment on it or so, but if you want to get involved with me, go ahead and follow me on social and talk to me on social media. That's the real big thing. I love talking with you guys, so go ahead and hit me up, alright? It has been a great episode of The Block. Hit on the lookout, be on the lookout for that Baby Yoda episode, and be on the lookout for that Eating While Black, The Curious Case of Amber Lou. Um, and I will check it with you guys again and kick it with you on The Block next week. Peace!